Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Miracle Morning Community, welcome. This is your friend, Hal Elrod. How are you doing? I'm here with my new friend, Aubrey Marcus. And uh, Aubrey, how are you doing today? I'm good. Nice little rolling start on this live. Yeah, <laughs> live dude, that's how we, we start. <laughs> we start every live video with, are we, is this working? Is this, are we, can you hear me? That's how every single, yeah. yeah that's yeah. how I know it's right. I'm a solopreneur at home by myself. I need you guys. Hey, give me your card after the uh, interview. <laughs> no, you can't poach no. people. All right, all right, God, fair enough. Uh, you guys, have you seen this book, Own the Day, Own Your Life? Uh, this is become one of, if not my, it's my new favorite book, for sure the new favorite book, but it's becoming one of my favorite books. And I'm only 100 pages in of this 432 page Bible on how to own the day and and, uh, really own your life. Aubrey, so I'll say this right to you. It's a confession to you and it's a confession to the Miracle Morning community, which is I am relatively new to you and your work. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to say that because I reached out to you over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might think, well, did you stop listening to me? What happened? Right. So uh, for Miracle Morning Community, here's how this happened. My good friend, Matt Recor said, you listen to the Aubrey Marcus podcast. I said, no. I said, I'm aware. I know who Aubrey is kind of, you know, but I, I don't listen to it. And he just raved on it and said, you got to listen to it. And so I listened to an episode and then another, and then I Googled you and then I went to YouTube and then, you know, I spent like an hour or two kind of stalking you online and just, you know how it is with some people, you just have that instant alignment. Like, wow, they see the world the way that I see the world, that they're up to something similar that I'm up to, right? Right. There's some shared values. They're trying to make a contribution and help people. And that, I just, I connected with you instantly. So I got a little, my love language is gifts, you know, five love languages. Mm -hmm. So I sent Aubrey, uh, I called our good friend, John Rulin, who is like the gift specialist. I was like, hey, what's a gift that I could send this guy I've never met before? I was like, and I know I'm risking, like, this is kind of a weird stalkerish thing to do. I was like, but I feel connected, uh, you know, anyway, so... I sent Aubrey uh, this big set of knives engraved with his quotes on it. And then I think the Onnit logo, company logo on the steak knives. And, Incredible. Uh, Still use them every day. You do. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Fucking awesome. That's awesome. And so, right. And so again, I literally, fingers crossed, is Aubrey going to be like, what a weirdo? Or is he going to be like, that's cool, right? So Aubrey emails me like two days later and just says, wow, amazing gift over the top. Thank you so much. And then a month later, I got that cancer. You know, I got cancer and that was a year where I wasn't listening to podcasts unless they were about healing cancer, right? That was, it was laser focused on, this is what I need to focus on. And then just the other day, oh, you had that, the MAPS event at your house and a couple Mm -hmm. of my buddies went to your house and they mentioned, and I was like, Aubrey. And I searched my email. I was like, did I, whatever happened with our email connection? And I looked, the last email that was sent was you saying, hey, cool gift, thanks. Yeah. And so I just reached out after a year and a half and here we are, man. So thanks for being on the show. Of course, man. This is going to be great. Good to wrap with you. So- Miracle Morning. Uh, if you are not familiar with Aubrey Marcus, Aubrey is the CEO and founder of Onnit, which is a leading supplement company for human optimization. And I don't know if you can see the shelf back there, but they've got a lot of great stuff. I take most of it. I'm a believer because you care. That's where when you get to know somebody's values, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can go, well, hey, whatever they're doing, because I, I feel like I know who they are. Or I trust who they say they are and how they show up in the world. I'm going to buy their stuff, right? I'm going to trust that this book has, as you said, your blood, sweat, tears, (laughs) right? And I can feel that, man. I mean, this is, it's such a great manual on doing exactly what it says that it's going to do. So I want to start with a question. And this book is about owning the day and owning your life. Before we get into that, first thing I want to ask you is, 
being vulnerable is something that I think most people have a lot of trouble with, right? They have a lot of fear with being vulnerable or being authentic. And I, to me, it's one of the most important values or qualities in a person. And I feel like you shine there. I feel like if you listen to the Aubrey Marcus podcast, you're an open book. You don't hide anything to a fault, probably, <laughs> right? You know, but I mean, just completely open, yeah. completely vulnerable. You share everything about you, your life, your world, your fears. And I just want to know, was there a moment in time where you became comfortable being that vulnerable and being that authentic? I think as you go over time and you really understand who you are and you realize that vulnerability isn't actually vulnerability, it's just being human, you know? And I think like our ego wants to project this idea of perfection, this kind of bulletproof exterior. I got it all figured out, but, but nobody has it all figured out. You sure. know, like right now in the gym, we have Earl Thomas and Tim Kennedy, you know, like some of the greatest athletes the world has ever known, highest performers, they don't have it all figured out. Sure. Nobody has it all figured out. And, but the ego wants to project this idea of perfection, but it's not true, you know? And so sharing what's going on is just forming that human connection and also allowing, if my mission and my purpose really is to help lead people and, you know, join people on this path to human optimization of not only the body, but the mind and the spirit as well, then I got to open up everything that's going on with me because that's another healing tool. That's something that somebody else is going through. That's something that they can identify with and say, oh man, you know, Aubrey's super successful and he still gets depressed sometimes and he's still sure. anxious sometimes and he still can't sleep and he still gets triggered by when someone says this or that. And if I can bring that out, it, it almost alchemizes it and takes my own suffering and turns it into somebody else's value, in which case then it's supporting the mission. So it creates this kind of virtuous cycle. Beautifully said. And I think that you're right. That's how I view it is that for me to truly lead other people, right, by you sharing your faults and your fears and insecurities and whatever else, right, that isn't perfect, you're giving them permission that, oh, you can still succeed at a high level or, or get through it to get yeah. to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. And oh, okay. Right. Versus when you see those people with the perfect image, you're like, gosh, if only I were like them. Yeah. They, well, they seem like aliens or robots. You're like, how does that even make sense? You know, yeah. like they're superhumans, yeah. you know, yeah. and so you can. You can idolize them, but they're almost separate. So they don't really bring you along with them. Yeah. You know, whereas when you tell the truth about everything that's going on and, you know, I certainly have plenty of shit going on. So it, it really makes a big impact. Sure. Absolutely. So again, the books own the day, own your life. However, this is really curiosity for me. Mm -hmm. uh, what's a week look like for you? How often in the audit office? Wait, and I'd love to know what does a week look like Monday through Sunday? If I'm here, I'm in the office nine, 10 hours a day, usually showing up 9.30ish, leaving around 6.37ish, and then uh, back home. How many days a week are you usually in the office? Does it vary? I'm probably here maybe two-thirds of the year. Okay. And then if I'm traveling, it just depends on what I'm traveling for. Like I was just in LA to record the audio book for this, yeah. which is a grueling process. Yeah, we talked did about. some podcasts out there. And, you know, so then the schedule gets a little bit more flexible. But um, yeah, if I'm in Austin, I mean, look, I created the absolute ideal dream environment for myself. Like I don't want to be elsewhere. You know, sure. even when the office is closed on the weekend, I'll come up here for a shake and a workout and a, it know. feels like a cool house. It is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels exactly. like a cool house. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. So well I just want to say this for the Miracle Morning community, and this is going to go out on the Cheaper Girls podcast too. So mm -hmm. for those of you listening on the podcast, we are broadcasting live via video into the Miracle Morning community on Facebook. And you can go watch this video there if you want to see my mug and Aubrey's uh, beautiful face. But I want to just share that reading your book, day one, literally the first chapter, I changed like four elements of my morning behavior, right? And I wrote the book, The Miracle Morning, and that's my 
focused is, is really optimizing the morning. And I think that's the biggest problem with most books is most books don't change behavior. They only shift your thinking. And it's a very temporary shift because as soon as you finish one chapter and go on to the next one, you start to pretty quickly forget any shifts in thinking you had in the previous chapter when you're on the new one. And then especially when you go, God, this is the best book I've ever read. And then you finish it and you're like, all right, badge of honor, finished one book. What's the next book? All right, you right, don't right. even remember that book anymore, right? right. Your, your attention can only go so many places. So what I love about your book is it is like by definition, it is changing behavior every page, every chapter. And so, you know, I can tell you the things that I changed, but I would love to hear you just kind of share what's your morning ritual. Yeah, I mean, the, what we really focused on in the book and within the first 15 minutes of waking up is three things, hydration, light, and movement. And really that goes back to understanding the circadian rhythm, like yeah. really getting back to who we are as a human organism, like a human primate. Like what does this body really thrive with? So hydration being first, you know, we'll lose up to a pound of water overnight just from the water vapors that are, and then if we're in really big blankets or something, we may sweat even up to another pound. So we're dropping like a lot of weight. That's why we're lighter in the morning, yeah. you know, because moist air goes out, less moist air comes in. And then all of a sudden we lose a lot of, a lot of water. So the first thing that's really important to do is hydrate. And, you know, like Sean Stevenson, the health coach podcast calls it like Sleep a cool, smarter. cool bath for your organs. Right. Yeah. But it's not just the water that we lose. We lose electrolytes too. So the pinch of sea salt, like 12 to 16 ounces of water, some lemon for the bioflavonoids, get the gastric juices flowing. You know, that's the first thing you're going to want to do right when you wake up. It's just really rehydrate. And I'll just say Miracle Morning Community, that was the first change I made. Every morning I drank a full glass of water and then poured my second one, but there was no salt in it to replenish my electrolytes and there was no lemon in it, mm -hmm. right? So now every morning, like day one, while I was on vacation, yeah. I was like, do we have lemons? Yeah. Where, where's the sea salt? Where's the Himalayan sea salt, right? You know, so I mean, immediately made that change. And so, yeah, so thank you for that. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people they got worried about salt, you know, and, and I cover that in the book. Sure. It was really a, a misidentification of what salt is actually doing. Like people think, oh, salt is bad for the heart. Well, salt may be bad for the heart if you have a really bad heart condition, yeah. because what salt's going to do is it's going to make your blood a little thicker because you're going to store more liquid because the sodium interaction with the liquid. So you're going to actually, you know, retain a little bit more water. But really what that means is you're more hydrated. So for anyone who's actually healthy yeah. and not worried about squeezing blood through a clogged artery or something like that, sure. salt is actually highly beneficial. And one of the things that allows us to move and function and feed our adrenal system and like, we're basically a saltwater organism. And too often, we're not supplying enough salt. We're using distilled water. We're using low sodium foods. And we're running a major electrolyte deficit. And that can show up as adrenal fatigue. It can show up in a lot of different ways. So adding, you know, generous amounts of sea salt, if you're healthy, is really one of the most important moves that we can start to make to get that electrolyte balance back. Talk about real quick, the type of salt, because that's really important, right? Morton's table salt, not what you want to add to your water. No. Um, so what are the different well, types of sea salt? You know, salt typically is mined from, you know, ancient salt water deposits. And when it's done that way, it has at minimum 15 different trace minerals, up to like 65 different trace minerals. And you can think of the trace minerals, like imagine your body is a house, the trace minerals are like all the hardware at Home Depot. You know, it's like these different screws, these different attachments, these different things. Your body uses them in a bunch of different construction projects. So anytime your body breaks down, it'll go to the shelf with the minerals and say, all right, what kind of enzyme reaction? What kind of cofactor am I trying to create? And it'll look for those minerals. And if we're in deficit and it doesn't have them, then it's, it'll find a way. It'll go to the duct tape section and it'll duct tape stuff together and glue sure. gun it together. But supplying your body with those adequate minerals is huge. So table salt 
is basically artificially created salt. They artificially bind it and it's only sodium, chloride, and iodine. So it's three versus 15 or 65, huh. depending on that. So if you're getting like a good Himalayan salt or a really good quality sea salt, you're getting like 65 trace minerals. So you're not only getting the sodium and the chloride, which is necessary, but you're getting magnesium, potassium, calcium, molybdenum, you know, selenium, all kinds of different other trace minerals that are super valuable for the body across the board. Awesome. So go spend the extra two bucks and get the Himalayan sea salt, not the table salt. Yeah. And there's funny that you can see like kosher salt and you think that's good, but that's really purely a religious distinction. That just means a rabbi just went, shalom. <laughs> sure. Got uh, it. Know, Doesn't, like, didn't add minerals necessarily. No, it didn't, yeah. He didn't put any Unless minerals. it was a mir- miraculously yeah. added yeah. minerals. Yeah. I, which I'm open to, <laughs> yeah, which true. I'm open to. If a rabbi's got that in his bag yeah. of checks, like go for it. Absolutely. Right. If Jesus turned water into wine, the yeah, rabbi the, can turn table salt into, into sea salt. salt. <laughs> You quote me, huh? <laughs> so, um, all right. So that's hydration. And we got uh-huh. light and movement. Talk about yeah. those. So those are really key for the circadian rhythm. And that's really this kind of night and day clock that regulates so many different things in our body, our appetite, our hormones, our energy, our wakefulness, our sleepiness. And so really the body's designed to wake up with the light and go to sleep with the dark. You know, sure. we're not nocturnal animals by nature. But we live inside houses, which mimic like a cave-like environment. And then we can go straight from our house to our car, which is covered, and straight from the car to the office, which is covered. So we might not actually be able to expose ourselves to the kind of light that'll really make us feel awake and alert like, you know, our primitive man would have. So getting like 10 minutes of light in one way or another, which is either like direct sunlight or really bright lights in your house, or if you have those biohacky, Valky human chargers, which put the light in your earbuds to yep. the photoreceptors in your ears. That's another great way to do it. But that first thing, a light in the morning will help give you more alertness, more energy during the day, and also help you go to sleep at night because it'll set like, oh, I woke up a long time ago. You know, set your wake up point for when it actually is so that when it's time to go to bed, your body's adequately producing melatonin and the hormones that actually make you go to sleep. And movement goes along with that. First of all, the joints are stiff and tired. It's nice to warm them up. But movement is also one of those, what they call zeitgebers for setting the circadian rhythm in motion. And you can do that in a variety of different ways. You can do like a little light yoga that I have in the book, like this, you know, five minute little yoga flow, or you can do a couple burpees, or you can do, you know, depending on how aggressive you want to the be, rebounder. just kind of move around. The rebounder. Yeah. yeah. I have that here in the office. Yeah. Um, I have an outdoor trampoline at the house, so I can nice. go out in the sun and jump on that. And then, you know, after that, you don't feel that like, oh, just dragging through the morning. By the time those 15 minutes are done, you're hydrated, you've moved and you've gotten light. You're like, oh, I'm awake now. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll share again what I did in terms of sunlight, because you talk about that, that ideally it's you're going to bed when the sun's going down, you're waking up, but our lifestyle doesn't necessarily adhere to that for either the environmental reasons of you're in a house or because you're up you know, I'm up at 4.30 at the latest every day. So it's way before the sun's up. And so the Valky Human Charger, so for you listening or watching, the Valky Human Charger is this device that is really designed to minimize jet lag. Someone sent it to me as a podcaster. They're like, hey, um, you know, promote this or whatever. Try it, promote it. And first of all, I didn't do a lot of international travel back when I got it. So I put it in the desk. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to use that. Plus, I don't really think that works. Thought it was kind of gimmicky. And then I, I was at a conference and a, a gentleman was charging. His, you know, he had earbuds in his ear. And I went, I have one of those. Does that work? He said, it's amazing. It minimizes jet lag. So I used it on a trip to the Philippines and everybody was a wreck when they got there. And I felt, you know, a tiny bit of jet lag, almost fine. But so immediately I started using that a week Mm -hmm. ago when I started reading your book. And for anybody listening, 
If you go to amazon.com and just type in human charger or the company Valky, V-A-L-K-E-E, you can check that out. But again, if you're waking up really early before the sunrise, it's a great way to set your circadian rhythms for that time being the wake up time. So your body is being told, oh, this is when I'm supposed to wake up. And then therefore you're more tired at night, like you said. Or just one of those cloudy, dark mornings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anytime, that's really when I use it. If I look outside, first option is right outside in the sun, but there's no sun. I'm going straight to the human charger. Yeah, and I think, because I know the human charger is about 200 bucks, I think there are less expensive options that I've found um, that are just like a big plate that you plug in and it just mm-hmm. puts that blue light sure. on your face, you know, which kind of mimics the sun. Yep. And then movement. Yeah, that's something that I started doing. I would save my movement until a little bit later. But now I just because after reading your book, it's part of a miracle morning where I go through, I, I do the morning mineral cocktail, what mm-hmm. we call it, right? Morning mineral cocktail. And then I go put on the Valky and then I go straight to my rebounder mm-hmm. and, uh, and start jumping, you know, so that's how I start the day now. So yeah. Fucking perfect. Yeah. And I'll tell you, my plan was eventually to write a book called Miracle Morning Mastery. I literally don't feel like I need to write that book anymore. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm like, this is what I would have done. I would have, because my, that book I wrote was much surface level experience. Just getting people to do it. I yeah. didn't get real scientific. I didn't go real deep. And that's one thing I thought someday I want to do, but I literally am like, I'm just going to recommend this book. I don't, I don't need to write. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. So chapter two of the book, we won't go through every chapter, but we'll go through at least the ones that I've read. Deep breath, deep freeze, right? So Wim Hof breathing, you reference in the book, and mm-hmm. I've started doing that in the morning and then taking cold showers. So can you talk about breathing and you know getting your body cold? And then you talk about the acute stress versus the chronic stress and the benefits of acute to offset chronic. So I'd love to hear yeah. about that. We as humans, again, this is going back to like what our blueprint is, like what condition do we thrive under? And we thrive under conditions of acute stress. So stress that happens relatively fast and relatively temporarily. And that could be, imagine like training in the gym you know, a good hard 30 minutes of training. Like the body, that is acute stress. The body will go through that and then it'll take some time to recover and it'll adapt and it'll be better. Hormonally, it'll be better. Musculoskeletally, it'll be better. Endorphinally, you know, emotionally, there's great science on the emotion of exercise and the psychological experiences you get as well as the physiological. That is like an ideal form of hormetic stress, it's called, which is like a positive acute stress for the body working out. And there's other forms of that that are available. And two of those are using temperature. So either like extreme cold or extreme heat for a short period of time. So like sauna would be the heat. Sauna would be the heat side of it. And that creates a bunch of great adaptations. And then the cold is another one which creates a bunch of great adaptations. But, you know, one of the unique things that Wim Hof did was he tied the breath into the cold. Because if anybody can think of, you know, what happens when you jump in a really cold pool? The first thing goes, <gasps> yeah, like you yeah. start breathing fast. The body knows what it needs to do. And what it needs to do is it needs to hyper oxygenate, open up the cavalry, create that kind of inner heat as Wim Hof would call it. Or in the, the ancient form, they call it tumo breathing or pranayama fire breathing. You know, it's just creating this inner heat, which actually kind of regulates the body, hyper oxygenates it, which has its own variety of benefits. Sure. So what I'm recommending is in the shower, while it's warm, you do all your things because it's really hard to go shockingly into the cold shower, <laughs> right? But the breathing is the bridge and it's the absolute crucial bridge. Like even for me, you know, I've done a lot of these cold exposure things. I've plunged in the water. I've been with Wim Hof. I've done the super cold thing. Wow. But even for me, like that shower nozzle will taunt me, you know, and it'll look at me and I'll be like, oh, I don't know. But once you start doing the breaths, which is like 30 to 50 deep breaths until you really start to get tingly, you might get mildly lightheaded. But don't worry, that's absolutely what's supposed to be happening. Just don't push it too hard. You don't want to fall down. You know, so as soon as you start feeling that stop, then by the time you push the cold, 
then your body is already pre-adapted. So instead of having to do those, starting those fast breaths, which ultimately acclimatize you to the water, like after you've been in cold water for a while and you get those breaths out of your system, it's kind of nice, like you're used to it. But if you do the breaths before, then it'll be far less shocking. And then the benefits of the cold can really start to kick in. And what that particular form of acute stress is great at is reducing the chronic stress, which is really just literally killing us. That's prolonged periods of high cortisol and prolonged periods of high inflammation throughout the body. So by pushing yourself with the breath and with the cold, you're going to actually start reducing inflammation, which creates all forms of different fatigue, lack of energy, lack of mental clarity and stress as well, which completely wears down the immune system over time and creates all sorts of chronic conditions as well as temporary conditions like colds and flus and everything. This is going to really dramatically help reduce chronic stress, like drop stress levels by like 300% in some studies. Wow. And also help your body form adaptations that are great for weight loss, great for, I think there's some studies like, again, a lot of immune studies, you know, reducing incidences of the common cold by 42%, you Hmm. know, like a bunch of studies that I reference throughout the book. But dramatic impact on immune function, reduction of inflammation, and then adaptations hormonally and physiologically to the body. And as long as you do the breath with the cold, it's really not as bad as you think. Yeah. Well, and it's like anything. At first, it's bad, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. your first time is like, oh, uh, uh, mm-hmm. right? But your 15th time, you're like, oh, I didn't even know that I <laughs> yeah. used to not like it, right? That, yeah, yeah. That's what I tell anyone that's like, oh, how do you eat that healthy food? I, I'm so used to this or that. I go, if you do anything, like I used to hate running, but then I started running and eventually you just stop hating anything that you do every single day. You eventually, it becomes, you acclimate to it, right? And that's what the cold shower thing, although my wife, I did, I'm reading your book and I'm going, sweetie, hey, we're going to start doing cold showers. And she's like, ah, so I haven't got her to do it yet, but- uh, You got to do the breath. Even my fiance, like I was in the shower with her, it was yesterday. I'm in the shower. We have two dual shower heads, you know, pretty far apart separated. And I'm like, let's do the Wim Hof. She's like, no, no, no. (laughs) I go, look, you just got to do the breathing first and then, then you won't mind. Yeah. And she's like, all right, all right. So we just do the breathing. And by the time she's at that 35 breath mark, then it's like, there's no resistance to the cold. Then she just turns a cold and gets in and has a few more breaths, like, yeah. but then normalizes. Yeah. And then, you know, she feels great. And we go on to have a great rest of the morning. Sure. Like, well, just like whether it was a kid or as an adult, going swimming in colder than is comfortable water. Mm-hmm. At first you're, you know, and then you're like, Okay, I'm kind of used to it now. Yeah. Right? You, you know, you're used to it. Um, I'll put you on the spot. Can you do the breathing? Do a mm-hmm. few of the breaths? I just want to, again, this is for me yeah. and our community, but I want to see the pace and kind of the depth and how you breathe. So Wim Hof is uh, famous for one of his lines and he says, it doesn't matter which hole you get it in as long as you get it in. <laughs> so he he doesn't care if you breathe through your nose or breathe through your mouth. But one of the key things is he doesn't want you to push on the expelling of the air. So you want to breathe in. <sighs> And then just let your chest fall, you know? So don't like, don't make a big deal out of the exhale. So and really focus on breathing all the way into your stomach because that's going to expand your lung capacity. So you want to feel both like from deep in your belly, from the back to the front. And actually, after six breaths, there's studies, a Japanese study that shows that you're actually, your blood pressure starts to drop. So if you're anxious, if you're getting aggravated, just six of those breaths alone will start to change your physiology. And that's something else I recommend in the commuting section when you're driving in your car Mm -hmm. to do those six breaths, because, you know, if you get anxious or aggravated in the car, just hit six breaths. It's 
physiologically going to drop your blood pressure and create a state shift. Six breaths, like we're so close to these little modulations that can make a huge difference. Yeah. You know, like maybe you don't need that beer to relax. Maybe you just need six breaths. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that's like, probably that's healthier for you than the, uh, you better think? for your liver. <laughs> than, <laughs> but you know, in the book, I talk about the right time to drink a glass of wine. You haven't got there yet, but yeah, there's yeah. the right time to drink a glass of wine. Or if you're in a cannabis legal state, the right time to yeah. indulge in that or, or whatever, you know, there's ways to do things that are going to maximize the benefit and minimize the cost too. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're watching, or if you're watching, I guess, in the Miracle Money community, can we do Q&A? Hell at the yeah. end here. All right. So we'll do some Q&A. So type your questions for Aubrey in the comments. You can start typing them now. And uh, yeah, and we'll get some Q&A. And if you're listening to the podcast, join the Miracle Morning community so you can watch this stuff live. I guess that's my best mm-hmm. advice. Do you, and I don't think I'm here in the book yet, uh, but meditation, what's your stance on meditation? There's so many different types, you know, in mm-hmm. general, I say there's two types, there's guided or every other type, which is just by yourself doing right. your own thing. So yeah. So what's your take on meditation? How do you do it? Finding a way to get still is one of the most essential things that we can do as humans. I mean, we create so much chaos and momentum and all of these thought patterns and cycles that until we get still, we can't ever see clearly outside of the noise. It's like we're trying to listen to a whisper of our higher self or a whisper of opportunity of what we can do and what we could do and what our potential is, what our body is telling us. But until we get still and quiet, we won't hear the whisper over the din of the loud parts of ourself, the emotions, the you know, struggles, the different, the radio, the radio. Yeah. (laughs) So we got to turn all that down. And meditation is a great way to do that. One of the ways I talk about doing it is really, you know, a lot of us have time in the car and I wanted to figure out ways to use that time in a really productive way. Cause a lot of times that's what, you know, Robert Greene would call dead time, just time that's really wasted. So you can either fill your mind during that time, listen to podcasts or audiobooks, which is great, which makes that time valuable. What do you call that? Fullness? Mind fillness. Mind fillness. That's it. Yeah. I love it. Or mindfulness, which is an opportunity to expand the mind, get still while still in the car. And one of the techniques I used is from uh, Native American trained tracker, Tom Brown, and he calls it the wide peripheral gaze. Mm-hmm. So I combine those six breaths that I mentioned with uh, a practice with the eyes where you really relax your vision. And I'll do this right into the camera. Okay. So you're looking straight ahead. And I would practice this, you know, when you're stopped or when you're parked or somewhere first. And you relax your eyes and you try to see everything as wide as you possibly can without focusing on anything. So you don't track anything with your eyeballs. You don't track anything with your pupils. So like right now, I can almost see Ian and Eric back here to my left. And they're typing on their computer and I can see Ryan, the tech, you know, writing things down and fiddling with his pen and nodding his head. And I just saw you <laughs> laugh and nod. And I saw your left elbow move up a little bit as you did that. And I see the leaves blowing out there, but I'm not focusing on anything. I'm just allowing everything to soften and quiet. And what you're really doing here is you're overloading the amount of visual information that's coming into your mind so that you can't think about anything anymore. Like you're just getting still and just focusing everything on the maximum amount of pixels you can be aware of in your visual field. And it's a really effective tool to get your mind still using something that we all have available. So instead of like going in a flotation or sensory deprivation tank where you're shutting off all the senses, this in a way is maximizing all the senses. And it's a technique the Native Americans would use when they would go to like a forest setting. They're looking for subtle movements of animals or something like that. And they would drop into this deeply meditative state. 
Because if you're like looking one at a time, you'll miss the macro picture, you know? So it's just absorbing everything at the same time, combining that with the breath. And that's what really, honestly, one of the more effective meditation techniques. And I've tried them all from, you know, Vipassana, Transcendental, to Open Focus, to... Guided meditations are great. Yeah. You know, those are really good. It's right to start. I go, yeah, you don't guided, try to put the pressure of trying to be a meditator you yeah. know, on day one. But um, but yeah, that's something that you can do in the car. You know, maybe not when you're driving in a busy, busy section, but you know, even in any defensive driving, they say focus on your peripheral vision, you sure. know, which is basically what you're doing to the extreme. Yeah. You know, so it almost creates this flow state that can be really, really valuable. Did you ever read Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle? I've read a lot of Eckhart's book. I never finished Power Now, really? but I think A New Earth is one of the best books ever written. Yeah. The first one, so I read Power of Now in 2005, I think. That was probably one of my first books into spirituality that sent me down that path. But I remember that's actually how I would, when I read it in your book, it didn't click for me until you just kind of walked us through it, the peripheral. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's how, so I would be in the car on the freeway. I could literally picture the first time I did it in Sacramento on the freeway. And I would try to access the now as he would, you know, talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how I would do it is I would just see everything in my peripheral. And that would be like, this is the now for me. Yeah. Right. This is the now. It's everything, at least visually, this is the now. Just on a side note, do you know who Michael Ellsberg is? He wrote The Education of Millionaires. No. But uh, he has a meditation and I'm blanking on what it's called. If you're watching Google Michael Ellsberg, E-L-L-S-B-E-R-G meditation. But it's interesting. It's instead of trying to clear everything out, he has you bring in all of your senses at once. So like you meditate on what you're feeling simultaneously, what you're seeing simultaneously, mm. everything you're hearing simultaneously, anything yep. you feel, right? That's it's a cool. really, it's a cool way to yeah, meditate. Yeah. I also have a guided meditation app of people. It's, it's free. It's just aubreymarcus.com slash meditation. Oh. And it's a different technique than the open focus. It's more, you know, breathing and visualization and, uh, but pretty cool there. So cool. I, I'm feeling that. like two years ago or a year and a half ago when I just, I might've, I might've done that, but I, I will, yeah. I'm going to go find it again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to do one with a less relaxing voice. Cause I put on my relaxing voice <laughs> and people are falling asleep left and right. They're yeah. like, Oh man, I love your meditation. But then I fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, now, oh, okay. is the relaxing voice and the sexy voice, are those the same or different? No, different. <laughs> different. different. Yeah. You got to put a little crackle in the, in the sexy voice. You know, you got to get a little electricity. Oh, awesome. You don't want yeah. people hey, falling asleep yeah. on you in yeah. bed. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, and this may be where we wrap up for today, and I'll love to have you back on. Once I read the second half of the book, I'm going to bring yeah, you back yeah, on for the second I'd half. Yeah. To talk. yeah um, but uh, you talk a lot about diet, and that's one of the topics that I am most passionate about. In fact, I read the book uh, China Study 15 years ago mm-hmm. or something. And at that time, I had been head on by a drunk driver. So like, my impact on the world was speaking to students not to drink and drive. So that's what I was doing in high schools yeah. and colleges. And then I read China Study, and I realized that, wait, like 130,000 people a year get in car accidents of all car accidents, not just drinking and driving, but 700 and something thousand die of heart disease and like 680,000 die of cancer, which are essentially diet related diseases. And in that moment, I went, wait a minute, I'm using my voice to impact a really small segment of people, right? And I was just questioning, maybe I should be like going in and whether it's in high schools, but talking about diet and really educating people. And what I love when I was reading that chapter of your book, I literally was, I told people, whoever was in the room that I was in, you know, on vacation, I said, every person in America, let alone the world needs to read this book, this chapter at the very least, because you break through all these myths that we've been bought into by the media who's trying to sell us their food, right? And all this crap. So yeah, just, I'd love for you to talk about your take on diet. Maybe start with like, how important it is and why it's important in terms of, you know, not just 
being free from disease, but having energy, optimizing your health and your focus, all of those things. So I would just love your take on diet and then a few implementable tips for our audience, some shifts they can make quickly. Yeah. Energy is like, we are energetic beings. We require fuel and that fuel allows us to do absolutely everything. And the input that we take in is like the gasoline for the car. But a lot of times we're taking in the wrong, really shitty type of gasoline that ultimately creates different buildups and creates different adaptations that are disadvantageous. So what's the absolute best fuel source for a human being? And that's what I really wanted to look at. And I can tell you it's not a bunch of fucking sugar. <laughs> like that is not the that is not the fuel source that this human organism thrives on. Now and when you yeah. say sugar, by the way, right? That's bleached flour, that's white yeah. bread, that's pastries, that's donuts. That's what I loved your whole take on what we call breakfast food, right? Yeah, right. Like, like a, I go through, I used to eat Pop-Tarts and I go through that and I'm like, all right, let's look at the Pop-Tart. Well, you got frosting on the top, that's sugar, all sugar. Yeah. And then you have some refined white carbohydrate starchy bread thing, which is basically immediately drops into sugar. You know, those bonds that make it starch, basically sugar bonded together so it doesn't be crystalline. You know, like the way that the carbohydrates actually metabolize the breakdown in the body, it goes to simple carbohydrate, which is sugar basically almost instantly. And then in the middle, you have another form of frosting or jelly or whatever. I like the cinnamon ones, was whatever that cinnamon (laughs) paste was. Sure. And like, it was basically three, a, a triple sugar stack. Yeah. And so you feel like we're buzzed for like 15 minutes, but then as that blood sugar rises, then your body's going to dump a bunch of insulin to try and scuttle that into the cells and into the liver and into your muscles to use as a type of fuel source. But it's way more sugar fuel and carbohydrate fuel than we possibly need. So the excess, it starts converting into fat. And also creating inflammation and also creating all different forms of disease conditions that ultimately are deleterious to your health. Yeah. So once the body stores all of the, it's called glycogen, it takes that blood sugar and stores it as glycogen. Once that glycogen battery is full, everything else that it stores is going to have to convert to fat. So it's the sugar that's making us fat. Like this is no mystery, everybody. Like everybody's been, oh, it's this calories in, calories out. It, no, it's sugar. Yeah. It's sugar. And if, you talk about that sugar's hidden in all sorts because it's called different things. things, right? All kinds of things. Yeah. So anyways, not only is it scuttling way more sugar into the body than we can possibly use, which is creating, you know, excess fat stores. The other problem is, is when you have a big rush of sugar, when it comes fast, The body doesn't know how much more is coming. So it overcompensates with insulin because really high Mm -hmm. blood sugar is toxic to all the cells. So it overcompensates and dumps so much like, oh, I don't know what this monkey's doing, but he's found himself (laughs) some sugar. We got to regulate this. I don't know if it's one pop tart or two. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) So it'll dump a bunch of insulin and it'll overcorrect. It always overcorrects because that's the safest thing the body can do. And so it overcorrects. And then at that point, you get the blood sugar drop. And that's where you're cranky, irritable, exhausted, like you're tired, which makes you then again, want to reach for more sugar and ping pong this thing back up. So you're going in this metabolic ping pong where you're up for a second and then down and then up for a second and then down. And you find these people who like feel like they have to eat some form of snack at all different points. That's because they're trying to level out the ping pong, you know, of the blood sugar. But nonetheless, everything they're storing because their glycogen is full, it's just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. So they're trying to regulate their blood sugar by continually eating. But what they're doing is they're just jacking their body into high states of inflammation and weight gain and all kinds of things. Now, what's the opposite of that? Well, actually the opposite of that is to eat healthy fats and healthy fats, proteins, fibers, macronutrient, micronutrient rich things, but particularly fats. 
And all of the science has come full circle mm-hmm. and shown that eating fat does not make you fat, no. does not make you tired, is absolutely essential for hormone production, for health, for energy, and even forms different forms of cholesterol. Like cholesterol is actually healthy for the body when ingested in eggs. So, you know, these egg white omelets, it's all nonsense. Like our body needs the egg yolks. Our body needs that healthy source of fat. And we've just been sold a big fat sack of lies. lies. I guess it was the nineties and maybe, I don't know where all, but when my parents, I remember, you know, it was always like, low fat, right? The healthy choice, mm-hmm. all these frozen dinners and stuff that, you know, just everything was low fat, low fat. And it still is. I mean, there's a lot of low fat, low fat, low fat. And uh, yeah, the brain also, right? I mean, the brain operates off of fat. That, that's where, and I think uh, for what you used to talk about, like Pop-Tarts, like parents are giving these to their kids. To their kids. And then they're wondering why their kids can't pay attention in school. So then they take them to the doctor and prescribe them with Adderall, <laughs> right? Because, and it's like, no, 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 you fed them Pop-Tarts. That's why they can't focus, right? Two hours later when Johnny's in class. And it's not only the sugar, which is a huge problem, but then there's also like, you think of kid-friendly foods. Let's look at mac and cheese, right? So first of all, you got the macaroni, which is highly processed flour, which is basically going to turn into sugar anyway. So don't think that, oh, I gave mac and cheese. That's not sugar. That's fucking sugar. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got that yellow ass cheese. Well, (laughs) yellow number six has been linked in multiple, multiple studies to hyperactivity and ADD. Yeah. And that's the food coloring that's in there, along with sodium benzoate, which is another preservative. So you're basically giving them a sugar coated with chemicals that cause hyperactivity. Like, okay, yeah. what do you think? You think your kid's broken? Your kid's not broken. No. Your kid's great. You know, you're just, he's not getting the right fuel. Yeah. And like, yeah, okay, maybe in a rare case, there are some conditions that are pre, you know, but a lot of times, man, we just discredit how awesome a human being is and the ability for a human to thrive if given the right tools and the right pressures and the right stresses and removing the other stresses and the right fuel we're fucking miraculous beings agreed i agree with that and i like the way you structured the book too is starts out with getting owned right so you really talk about like here's the problem or the problems in this area that you're covering in the book and then it's okay here's how you own it Yep. Right. Okay. Here's how to flip the script. And then here's the prescription. Right. And then you break it down and then you have the tips. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I love you. You just covered it. Like this really is just such a manual for living. And, and that's the essence of the whole thing. Right. Is that if you own the day, like your life is made up of days, period. And if you learn how to own each day and optimize yourself to maximize each day, then your life's freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, you're healthy, you're happy, you're wealthy. Right. You have more friends than you know what to do with because you're a great person because you take care of yourself throughout the day. And then you can give the best of yourself to the people. And that's why I just, I love this book is such a, you know, there's a lot of books that I read and I'm like, oh, it's a great book. If you want to blank, right. It's a great book. If you want to improve your SEO, or if you want to, you know, if you want to write a book or right, this is a great book. If you are a human being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you want a human, yeah, if you're looking to human, that's it. If you want to be, there's going to be something helpful in there. And and like you said, I, I mean, there's 397 references, over 300 are academic or clinical references, you know, really went back to the science. And, you know, honestly, there were certain things where I really believed something and I looked to the science and I poured through and I couldn't find adequate support. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know, I got to have an open mind about this. Maybe this worked for me, but it wasn't fully supported. So I, you know, some hit stuff hit the cutting room floor, Uh, but I really have tried and tested not only with myself, but with everybody I've worked with here at On It and all, you know, and this is some really valuable stuff. And I did my best to try and curate a little bit of everything so that people get a full picture of what a really, truly optimized day looks like. Beautiful. Well, Miracle Morning community, obviously you all practice the Miracle Morning, so you know how to start your day right. 
and Aubrey, not only he, first of all, enhances your miracle morning as he's done for mine, but he tells you, okay, well, great. You got the morning down. Here's how you take care of the entire day. And if you loved the miracle morning, and if you love the miracle morning and practicing it, well, then this book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, Optimize Practices for Waking, Working, Learning, Eating, Training, Playing, Sleeping, and Sex by Mr. Aubrey Marcus. You're going to love this just as much. It's going to help you make sure that the miracle morning isn't the only part of your day that's rocking, but that every part of your day is really optimized. So we're going to open up for Q&A. Yeah. Right. Do we have some questions? And if people want to check it out, it's just at ownthedaybook.com. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. Where to get the ownthedaybook.com. It's also on Audible too. And I read it and it was, I put a, <laughs> I like gave some more of my life and like my soul to reading the book. So yeah. if you like audiobooks, that's another good option too. Yeah. We were going to schedule this or last week and he goes, I'm going to LA to record my audiobook. And I was like, oh, good luck. <laughs> so, well, it's actually probably a better experience to read it as it is because it has recipes and movement. And we did like comic books, sketches in here of like, some of them are actually me. Let's see if I can find me. Yeah, I will say this is a book that but if like, you listen to it on audiobook, you're going to buy the book gonna, anyway. Yeah, you're going to miss some of the different sketches. Did you say that to you? I did a comic book version myself. Here I am. Nice. You have the tats on there and everything? Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, because some of the movements and, you know, we have some body weight movements and then some basic kettlebell movements and talk about different ways to train. So yeah. it's a good experience. Before we open up for Q&A, is there anything else that obviously, again, I'm only halfway through the book or a third of the way through? No, you know, I, I really wanted to make this... There's a section there called now do it. And I think that's one of the most important sections too. And that's just addressing the objections that we have. It's hard to do something different. You know, nobody's going to live every day like this, but this really addresses like, what are the key motivating factors? Like, what are the points of resistance? You know, like, how do you overcome that? What's a mental image that you can use? What's a practice that you can use? What are the biggest obstacles? So, and I'm, you know, look, I'm not a perfect guy. I, I'm just figuring out how to do the best stuff I can every day and really going back to that. And, and I tried to keep this book like that. Like, I'm not preaching at you from a pedestal. I'm like, sure. no, look, here's our struggles. Yeah. Here's our things that we're going through. You know, here's how we can all get through this together. And, and I think that's, um, I don't know, that's something unique that you don't always see in, uh, in other books. And I think kind of hopefully comes through in this one. Yeah, well, then the do it now part, to me, that's you coaching someone through the psychology of implementing what you're talking about, right? Because making changes are hard. It's painful. It's hard. It's difficult. You know, at least that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah. Like I said, like I wrote the chapter and I still look at that cold water nozzle and I'm like, whoo, yeah, I think I got to go. I got, I got, I got some time, you know, but you know, so how do I even coach myself through that Sure, and and make sure that I actually get it done? Because every time I do at the backside of that, like no one's ever finished a workout and been like, oh man, really regret hitting the gym today. Yeah, <laughs> You know, yeah. or like finished having sex and like, ah, yeah. man, I wish I didn't do that. Uh, there's like, a quote that I came across when I was writing my book that said, um, nobody likes going to the gym, but everybody loves the feeling of having gone to the gym. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? 100% of the time. So, so. so put your mind there, right? Visualize yeah. the end result, why you're doing it and what you're going to get out of it. So yeah. awesome, man. Do we have some questions that have come in? Yes. Uh, relating to the six breath method, how many times should we do the breath work every day? So relating to the six breath method, is it better to do that in the morning or in the night? And what's the frequency on that? Honestly, there is no overdose. <laughs> you can't take you deep know, breaths when too you're much. Doing, well, you can go into a state called shamanic or holotropic breathing, which is a state where you get into very kind of, it's almost like a spiritual practice, yeah. but that really, you really have to push, push it. it. We're talking yeah. hundreds of deep breaths. Got it. But as far as like the six deep breaths, and you really want to be lying down if you're going to do that. 
Like you can crank that out as often as you like. Yeah. Anytime you need anytime to you get in the peak state, like, right? Just yeah. when you're feeling a little anxious, feeling a little frantic, like everybody knows, oh, take a deep breath. Well, it's not, we shouldn't be saying take a deep breath. We should be saying take six Because six, six. <laughs> that's the move. That's what the science shows. It's six. It's not one. So, Got it. and tell that to your friends too. Like, Take sixty breaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They might be. Go. They might think you're being condescending or whatever. Like, no, actually, the yeah. Japanese study had showed that six was the magic well, that number. can be part of your your book. Could change that part of our lexicon, right? That'll become I now. Hope so man. just people start saying I hope it. So because one isn't going to cut it. I mean, yeah. one helps maybe a little bit mentally, but yeah. like six, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. And six kind of the starting place, but you said thirty, right? That's where you go. In thirty the morning is for yeah. Thirty is for the shower. So that's oh, for, for the a shower. Purpose. Got it. So okay. the sixth is for a drop in blood pressure and a subtle state shift. 30 is going to, you know, build that inner fire so that you can withstand the cold a little better and take you through that process. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. Next question. Of the changes in the book, which one was the hardest for you to make personally? Of the changes in the book, which one was the hardest for me to make personally? It's interesting. I think it's the discipline of doing the same thing every day. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of very loose. You like variety? I like variety, yeah. you know, and like I kind of, and what's one of those people that abhors doing the same thing yeah. all the time. But these practices are so universally good that it's really forced me to have the discipline to really repeat the same action over and over again. Yeah. And that I think has been one of the most valuable and also most challenging things for me because I can get myself to do most everything here in the book, but it's, can I get myself to do it consistently? Enough? Sure. Can I get myself to follow through? in every way that I can. Uh, one area that I fully admit that I just totally fail, I've just duff every time is, you know, all sleep experts really agree. You don't really want to sleep with pets if you're really trying to optimize your sleep okay. and maximize that. But we have a little Alaskan clique high <laughs> and there's no way I'm getting you that can't thing kick out of bed. It there's no way that I'm getting that thing out of bed. So no, I'm funny. just taking an L, like, <laughs> like knowing that I'm taking an L in the sleep category. And I'm uh, sure all of our pet lovers watching and listening are like, oh, thank God. I, uh, I don't <laughs> yeah, want to get rid of my puppy. You know, some some sacrifices baby. need to be need to be made. Awesome. All right. More questions? What inspired you to write the book? What inspired me to write the book? I think for me, there's a lot of great resources, but they're all scattered into a bunch of different other things. Like you can read Sean Stevenson's book, Sleep Smart, or, or Nick Littlehill's book, Sleep. And those are two different books on sleep alone that you, to me, you really have to combine those to get the full yeah. kind of masterclass. Nick Littlehill covers the science of napping, which is something I really brought in and how important naps and controlled recovery periods are. Talk about that real quick. And you can come on the tail end, but I'd love to know your napping strategy, schedule. Well, well, look, they did the science and they basically compared more overnight sleep with more caffeine or a nap to see about mental alertness, focus, mental performance, health markers. Universally, the nap one. The nap is better for you than more overnight sleep, better for you than caffeine. And it wins in all the different categories. But somehow we got this idea that naps are for lazy people, but they're sure. not. It's like an essential way to pick up additional sleep and rest. How long do you nap and what time of the day? Yeah, typically? so, you know, there's going to be a natural lull in circadian rhythm that comes sometime after lunch. And we always kind of normally feel this. It can get exacerbated by a high carbohydrate or high sugar sure. lunch, which will then drop your blood sugar and make you even more sleepy. A turkey sandwich with the bleached flour that's yeah, three exactly. times more flour than exactly, turkey. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> Ciabatta roll. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so you're going to feel that regardless. And so just going with the flow of when the Spanish would take a siesta, when other cultures that, you know, in Egypt, they would take the Tesalia, you know, and in different places, they take these naps scheduled 
in the afternoon, that's a great place to do it. And you can do it in a 30-minute controlled recovery period, as Nick Littlehale would say, sometimes aided with some music technology called binaural beats, which can help kind of relax and entrain the brain. That's one option. Or just kind of zone out. Even if you don't go fully asleep, by dropping your brainwave state to those kind of more restful things, you'll start that parasympathetic cycle and you'll be able to come out of that more alert. Interesting. Something that I started doing a while back is I use white noise at night. Uh We started that when we had I think we had kids and they were, they'd make noise, you know, like just so we could drown out the background noise. What I found is it's an anchor for me to rest. Yeah. So I use white noise at bed, right? I've got an app on my phone for white noise, but then for naps, what's beautiful is as soon as I play that white noise, it tells my body, oh, it's time to sleep. And it helps me get into the nap a lot quicker. Yeah. So So circling back to the original question. All right. Sleep is one chapter in my book. It's one important part of the day, but it's, it's lots of other important parts of the day. If I had to read two books and study 15 studies to actually put that together to give a comprehensive thing on sleep, you know, then you can't expect people to do that. The average person is not going to read two books on sleep. They're not going to read 10 books on nutrition. There's so many good books on nutrition. There's great ones by Mark Sisson. There's great ones by Ben Greenfield. There's great ones by Rob Wolf, but they go far deeper than the average person would ever need. They need is like a clear summary. Like what are the action steps? What's the important thing to do? And so I really just tried to harness and harvest all of the best information and put it together in one manual that covered the whole day. So if someone doesn't want to read a billion books on this thing for mindset, this thing for nutrition, this thing for sex, this thing for sleep, blah, 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 but just have one aggregation of it combined with my own lessons, my own experiences, all the elite performers that I've worked with, my own perspective and kind of the emotional management and some of the things that I'm a, you know, my specialty is imbuing it all with that. And hopefully making it an entertaining process. Like that was one of the key contributions I felt like I could make to the world, you know, is just to put all this together in one place, cover those bases. And then from there, you know, I have a couple other books in mind that'll tackle issues surrounding love and issues surrounding community and, and different things. And I'll surely be doing the same kind of idea, taking the best information that exists and then my own personal experiences and experiments and kind of putting those all together. Awesome. And if you don't listen to the Aubrey Marcus podcast, highly, highly, highly recommend it. And one thing that with this book that you did really well is just your writing style. In fact, when I was in Utah, which is where, you know, we're on this vacation with my a few families and we're reading it, everybody was picking it up because I left it on the coffee table on purpose for everyone to see it. Mm-hmm. And my buddy, John Vroman, who is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, he wrote a book called The Front Row Factor. He was reading it and uh, you know, I said, what do you think? He goes, I love it. And he goes, I love his writing style. He said, I wish I could write like this. Mm-hmm. He said, I feel like I talk like this, but I don't, I can't translate it into my writing. So I so wanted to mention that, that yeah, your, the writing style is, it's very easy to read and enjoyable to read and you drop in humor, you yeah. know, kind of unexpectedly and, and the occasional F-bomb that keeps yeah. you on your toes, right? <laughs> I tried to keep it as close to my actual voice as possible, you sure. know, and not try to project anything, not try to this be cool. Is just not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just me. Yeah. And I wanted to keep it that way. Awesome. We have time for another question. What are some tips for managing time at work to be more productive? What are some tips for managing time at work to be more productive? So there's a lot of good books on like email batching strategies and things like that. And I really didn't want to cover that because I think the most important thing at work is you have to know why you're at work. Like you really have to know like what your mission is. Because like if you really know that, you'll be fucking fired up. That'll be that internal fire and that internal fuel and you'll forge the solutions and things necessary. Like when you're passionate about something and you love what you're working for, I mean, you can produce an incredible amount of work. 
And I think it doesn't feel like work, right? It doesn't even feel like work. And I tell the story in the book about when I was working, you know, I had a marketing company, I had an in-house, I worked in-house for another client and I was totally miserable. And there was a big turning point for me where I realized like, all right, instead of just being miserable and counting the hours so I can go home, I really want to focus on how can I use this experience to set me up for the next experience. And so I became very clear, like I'm going to start my own brand and I'm not going to be working for anybody else. And I'm going to build something that's going to be amazing. What do I need? I need more time because I got to figure out what that thing's going to look like. I got to figure out how to do it. And I need to save money. And so my job then afforded me time and I started saving money. What were you doing at the time if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I was just doing online marketing, a variety of different clients. And that subtle shift to being like, oh, no, no, I'm not here working for that client. I'm here working, you know, while I'm doing good work for them. Sure. I'm here working for my future. And my future requires time and it requires the money that this thing is going to provide me. And so because of that, you know, I was able to actually be incredibly efficient at doing the jobs that I needed for that client, but then also start working on my own stuff, start brainstorming, start thinking. So instead of spreading four hours of real work over eight hours and just kind of calling it a day, I would really focus and crush and compress and deliver on my daily job for that client. And then I would spend the rest of the time really focusing on what I was going to build in the future. And that's because I had a very clear picture of like what my mission was. And I think that's probably the the most important thing I can do I and tell everybody for that is just know what your mission is, know what you're working for, and you'll find that natural passion. And there's other tips about how to use, you know, essential oils to enhance productivity and how lemon scent, you know, reduces typewriting errors and different things. I have other tips in there and stuff, <laughs> but like the big thing is you got to find your mission. Is the mission, right? Yeah, and yeah. everything revolves around that. Yeah. Let's do one more, what time for one more question. You had to pick just one chapter that everyone in the world would have to read, which would you pick? If I had to pick just one chapter for everyone to read, which one would that be? Well, everyone in the world, I think probably the one of the biggest world epidemics is the one on nutrition. Sure. And I spread that out over breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But the most important of those three chapters is going to be chapter three, which covers breakfast. And that talks about basically the substitution of fat, healthy fats for sugar. Yeah. And I think if we're really going that universal and everybody reading that, I mean, you go through the grocery store and it's just sad, especially, you know, like a conventional grocery store. Everything is bright, shiny, bright, shiny colors and cartoon characters for kids. And all it is is high fructose corn syrup and like refined starch and, and just people don't have a chance. You know, when you get locked into that kind of really poor fuel source, you really don't have a lot of opportunity to move beyond that. And then, you know, as far as other chapters that I think are really, really essential. I think, um, you know, the last chapter is pretty important and it's kind of the one that ties it all together. Yeah. Chapter 16. I think that's the guy who's asking the questions over there. He told me that was his favorite chapter. (laughs) That's purely me. It's from my own wisdom in life. And it really talks about forgiveness. And because for anybody to make any meaningful change, Mm. like most of us know, most of us actually, if we did all the things that we know we should, we would be a superhero already. Sure. Like we have a lot of the information. It's just the action for that. And what I've really found in myself and working with people is one of the things preventing people from making these big changes is they haven't fully forgiven themselves. They haven't, you know, come to that state where they feel like they deserve to change. Mm -hmm. They're still kind of punishing themselves for past choices they made or past things or past belief systems. So taking them through some practices 
that I borrowed from some Hawaiian kahunas, which is a Hawaiian spiritual system, taking them through some practices of radical forgiveness and then the positive self-talk and the mantras and the ethos building. I think that's really, really valuable to actually get people to start making the changes that they know they already should. So chapter three on food and chapter 16 on nutrition and how to build a positive relationship with the self. It's a beautiful way to uh, to wrap up today, man. And uh, I can't wait to get to that. I think I'm going to skip ahead and read the chapter on yeah, forgiveness. Man. But for me, like I said, chapter three was the on nutrition was the one that as I'm reading, I'm going, everyone in the world yeah. needs to read this, you know, because yeah. just the way, again, your writing style is getting into someone's psychology of like, hey, here's how you're living now and why you've been living this way. And in some ways it's not your fault, you know, yeah. it's the media's fault or whatever, right? And you've been lied to, et cetera, et cetera. And then here's, and then you just really got, hold people's hand, right? Hey, come on, right? And it's like, you just take them through this journey to having extraordinary days every day of their life. So appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the yeah. podcast. Thanks, Al. And thanks everybody for dropping in. And um, I'll try and jump online and answer some more questions too for you guys. Cool. And uh, the book, everybody, is Own the Day, Own Your Life. Optimized practices for waking, working, learning, eating, training, playing, sleeping, and sex. All important things uh, for us to optimize. And uh, ownthedaybook.com. Yeah. Best place to get it. And pre-orders are super huge for any author who's going the conventional publishing route. Helps tell the bookstores which books to order. And it's huge. So, And it's like Christmas when it arrives because you've already got a pre-order. It'll just pipe right into your Kindle or show up at your door. So just deeply appreciate anybody who's interested. And um Thanks for listening. Yeah. And that's what I would say is, you know, I'm big on reciprocity, right? If I get value from somebody on a podcast, I'll go buy their book. Even if I don't feel like I need it, like <laughs> I'll buy it for somebody else. Like, just like, Hey, you, you gave me your time. You gave me a lot of value of this course. This is a book that I really feel everybody, everybody, everybody needs to read. In fact, I text my business partner. I said, Hey, are we, you know, do we have the budget to buy these for everybody at our 400 person <laughs> event this year? He's like, let's talk about it. I'm like, all right. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer. Own the day, own your life. Aubrey Marcus, uh, everybody get the book at ownthedaybook.com. Miracle Morning Community, I love you. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, I love you. Appreciate you. Uh, thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.